Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Yesterday, Nottingham Forest sacked Steve Cooper after a run of just one victory in their last 13 games. Oh, Yates with a mistake. It's Pereira. It's Kenny. It's fine. While the supporters mourned the departure of a coach widely regarded as the best since legendary club figure Brian Clough back in the 80s, this is a story that will resonate with fans all over the world. There is no room for sentiment in modern football. And with Nuno Espirito Santo unveiled as Cooper's successor, do Forest have a plan or are they just the latest example of a Premier League side run entirely on the impulses of a rich owner? I'm Ayua Kimolere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. All right, let's get into this. Uh, in the studio, we've got the Athletics' Nick Miller. We've also got Daniel Taylor, Tim Spears, and of course, David Ornstein, just to break things up as they like to do it here on the Athletic Football Podcast. Right, Danny, let's let's get into uh, Marinakis because, you know, in terms of the relationship between Cooper and, you know, the owner of the club, from, I mean, I was reading your piece, it's fair to say it was it's rather fraught relationship and it always has been in, in a very strange way. Well, funnily enough, Steve Cooper was told the news by um, another member of staff yesterday and he also, you know, he knew that Nuno was in the building and between the training ground and the stadium. And it was all sort of very strategically done to keep the two of them apart. So even in these sort of circumstances, you know, basically he and Marinakis, you know, the relationship was broken. It's been broken for a long, long time. A lot of it is unpleasantness and a lot of it is fractious and, and not what you really want at a football club. Um, so last night... It did actually end in Steve Cooper going into the boardroom at Forest and basically having an amicable chat with the owner and shaking hands, agreeing that it'd been, you know, that they'd enjoyed some good times together and, and kind of leaving it in a very sort of grown up kind of way. Whereas, you know, I think a few other people would have certainly been very offended and, and put out to wake up to knowing that there's a, another guy flying in to take your job. Steve and a lot of people around him felt that there'd been some pretty underhand things happening, stories appearing in the media, all sort of seemed to be designed to undermine him and just, just as I say, various bits of unpleasantness, you know. It is a very hard-faced environment and they make no apologies for that. And and that is, and I think basically, I say that almost without criticism because I think by now I've kind of just got used to the idea that it's great that they put the investment in and the ambition. And if you remember back to the previous owner who had neither proper investment or proper ambition or, or well, he had ambition, but it was kind of like a fantasy land ambition, then then it's great. You know, everyone welcomes this. It's just basically for that, the price of that in a way is that you have to understand that Forest is going to be run in a certain way that is not what we're really used to. It's 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 far more what they're obviously used to at Olympiacos. And that involves quite a hostile, it can be quite hostile. There can be explosions of temper. There can be staff who are, who are 
almost living in fear of you know i went to athens once i remember basically i was in the building and then uh, there was a there was a female member of staff who suddenly realized that she was wearing the wrong colors because mr maranakis doesn't like anyone wearing purple because he thinks it's unlucky and he doesn't like anyone wearing green because it's you know the color of one of their rivals and the panic on this woman's face you know there is this kind of like desperation to not to displease the owner who, who despite the fact he you know is flying between two different countries and has two different clubs he takes incredibly hands-on role you know right down to what goes out on social media and he ultimately just didn't share the fans' enthusiasm for Steve Cooper, and he thought that the 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 praise was over the top. Bearing in mind what had happened in the eighteen months in the Premier League, he couldn't understand how someone that was involved in a relegation fight could get all these these songs uh, and the adulation that Steve Cooper got. And basically, he resented it. I think. I, well, I, and, I'm, and that's not just me who thinks that. And it became a thing. It became basically staff had to be careful what goes out on social media, you know, numerous stories of conflict behind the scenes. So, yeah, so this this is the price you have to pay for all the good stuff. So there's good and there's bad. And I think most Forest fans would agree that the good outweighs the bad. But there are times where it's a pretty close run thing. I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate here. This is a guy who's won, what, 10 out of 12, you know, trophies or whatever Olympiacos he's probably got a thing in his head thinking well I've proven that I can do this and this is how I work so if you're not going to play by my rules see you later I mean you know exactly and what he's done in in Greece it stands up for him and it works and people are used to that regime it's just taken a bit of getting used to and Listen, the, the the people that run Forest will admit there have been significant cultural differences between how they run Olympiacos and how they run Forest. And shouting at people in England doesn't necessarily is it is is sort of something that was a little bit consigned to the past. You know, these kind of like very kind of like old school football kind of thing of just basically, you know, if they lose, it's fury and just basically, and you know, and, and, and a part of me kind of like really, you know, the expectations and the ambitions are are really impressive, but there's just basically, it's undone by, you know, there's so much money and you just kind of think, look, just got to be a little bit, you know, got to be a little bit wiser sometimes and a bit more emotional support for the manager, you know, and there's all sorts of stuff, you know, that, that just kind of like slightly unorthodox, like, you know, his son is effectively the de facto sporting director, you know, 24 year old guy, you know, might be a very intelligent guy or, you know, he might eventually be very good at this, but it's just, you know, there are some horror stories along the way. Um, you know, a lot of people leave Forest feeling incredibly bruised. And I think Steve Cooper will feel pretty raw, even if it, you know, it did end in a handshake. You know, there's been some pretty, like I say, unpleasant, I think is the, probably the best way to say it. Well, Danny uses the word raw there. Um, but I also think many will feel that Steve Cooper's better off out of there, given the environment that he was working within. And I think Danny's being quite polite at times and scratching at the surface um, because when you speak to people around the industry, they describe it as being pretty toxic and volatile and like tempestuous. Uh, and, and again, I think that's quite um, a polite way of putting it at times. Um, this is just the way that that Evangelos Maranakis seems to to work and to to run for us and behave. And and in Danny's piece, he talks of like the expectations of, of where he wants to get to with Forrest. And, and he will be of the view that he's brought in a, a quality and a number of players that should have 
produced better results and, and, and performances. And at times, Steve Cooper, in the early Premier League days, I think was relying on quite a lot of the players who got him up um, from the championship and uh, a British core. Whereas I think um, the owner would have liked to have seen many of the newer signings integrated. And I don't think we've really paused to quite realise and, and appreciate just how difficult that must have been for everybody at Forest. They are unprecedented numbers of signings. A £250 million spend is probably unprecedented for a team at that level. Of course, we've seen higher teams spend bigger amounts, but the numbers in and out, that's just in the playing squad. And uh, it was just like, who's coming in next? And who's recruited this player? And where do they fit fit into the style and the system and and the group and the dynamic and behaviourally? it, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but it, it seemed from the outside to be carnage in in the transfer market, and th- that that's not conducive to to settled training sessions, let alone preparation for matches and and tactics. And the the more you f- think about it, it, it just seems a an extraordinary state of affairs that we've just uh, lived through in 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 many forms, and and not just in terms of the playing personnel, but the the staff too. So there have been changes at sporting director level, at chairman level. Um, there have been um, you know the, the set piece coach. Um, even right down to to a discrepancy over who that would be, and and, and maybe that is the way that. Um, yeah, Maranakis uh, runs it and you've got to lump it or leave it. Yeah, Nick, you look at a, a guy who's had, what, 20 different managers, 14 with Olympiacos, what, six with Forest, And you, <laughs> you look at his first, what, summer, Olympiacos has funded 19 new signings uh, while he was there. Um, but also look at the signings he made in the Premier League. I mean, there's a whole heap of players that have come in to, to Forest. I mean, a bit like the Chelsea situation. Could you even cram them all into the to the change room? But there's a, there's a clear pattern here of a guy who likes to spend to get what he wants. Yeah, it's just the, the as kind of Danny and David have alluded to, it's the the ambition is great, but it's just how that ambition is sort of channeled. Mm. There, the, 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 there doesn't seem to, the, 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 there seems to be kind of three or four different plans that are sort of mushed together, which is kind of reflective of the number of people who are making the signings. There, you know, there were they've, they've recruited a, a couple of promising young players from South America, who the, the idea being presumably to kind of sell on for more money and then they've made some kind of you know free transfers that you'd think you know that, that's a kind of shrewd signing that a club on a kind of real budget might might sign and then there were a bunch of players that brought in from the Bundesliga who uh, were apparently based on you know a, a lot of um, kind of data that went into the recruitment of those players so all of those things are fine but when you kind of throw them all together it just becomes very kind of confused and there are as you know as the guys have said different people recruiting different players and yeah you would just like it to be a little bit more focused and just a tiny addition it's not just the um the personnel that um uh, has been upgraded or being in need of upgrade but 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 also the facilities i've spoken to a couple of people at forest that say you know this is like a mid championship level structure and infrastructures and physical and, and sort of technical the data the scouting the analysis the sports science this is a team that was out of the premier league for 23 years so they're still in the process of trying to bring the training ground the stadium up to the modern level and some of those um crucial things behind the scenes that makes so many of these clubs at, at the forefront and um, and sing and dance in a way that is is fit for purpose in 2023. 
four now coming up to in the Premier League um, are not there at Forest, and, and that is another area of um, of improvement that's needed, even though it gets a, a lot less attention. Yeah, but some would say, what, Marinakis has reduced the club's debt by converting 11 million of loans into shares for the financial year 22 to 23. This again comes back to the good point. So this is a guy with big pockets, deep pockets. They always make sure that these stories come out and it's, you know, very brilliantly timed just before Steve Cooper goes. You know, there's all sorts of games going on in the background that people sometimes aren't aware of. But ultimately, this is the side that the fans have to be grateful for. He he's, He is... He is funding the club to a level it hasn't been funded before. You know, that has to be the case if he if he wants to meet his expert. You know, there isn't a club in the Premier League though they're not putting in, you know, big money with you know perhaps the exception of a couple in the relegation places. But you know, if he if he wants to be a top ten club, which is his ambition, then he's going to have to do that. But he also needs a little bit of realism and, and patience sometimes because just look at Aston Villa and how many years they spent. Look at Brighton before Brighton became what they are now. They had you know, four or five seasons in the zone that I think Forrest realistically should be aiming for now, which isn't trying to be a top 10 side now, which basically means like getting another 10 to 14 points, overtaking the likes of Brentford and Fulham and West Ham and all these clubs are a bit more established. You just have to sometimes temper with a bit more realism, but equally, you know, it's not our name above the door. So like I said, coming to my earlier point, you just have to understand that for the money, you have to understand that this is the way the club's going to be run. And it is a bit like David said, you like it or lump it because that's what it is. It's not going to change. It's not going to pull back and, and completely change the way they are. One interesting point on what Danny said there is how they operate in the market moving forward. So I think the sale of Brennan Johnson for around £50 million has drawn a bit of a line in the sand. It's put down a marker that that Forrest can trade um, in the other direction as well, which would have been a huge boost for them on their financial fair play situation. And now they've got a couple of assets too. If you look at, say, Murillo, who is being uh, talked about quite heavily, Morgan Gibbs-White as well. Um, We've known them only sort of uh, operating in one direction largely uh, over the last couple of years. But let's see if when Danny references the likes of Brighton uh, and others, um, they trade outwards to it. And, and that could, in theory, if things calm down a bit, see Forrest become a, a bit more sustainable uh, financially. And that recent investment by Maranakis or conversion of debt into shares is not the first time he's done that. I think it's happened three or four times before. So there is a financial concern here and it can't really continue in that way unless he wants to keep bankrolling it and that's at his own expense which which, which is obviously a, a financial fair play concern you're listening to the athletic football podcast with io akimwalere steve cooper's gone he's left nottingham forest i guess the only surprising thing about this news is how long it took owner marinakis to do it so, so why now yeah i think everyone was a little bit surprised i mean just in general it feels like it's been a couple of weeks away from happening for you know better part of a year obviously lost 5-0 to Fulham a couple of weeks ago uh, and everyone in the way end of that game seemed to feel like it was the end and you know not not unsurprisingly at that point um it, it for, for there was about sort of 10 15 minutes in the second half where it's sort of either side of the fourth goal i think it was mm. Forest fans were just singing Cooper's name throughout and it was a kind of embarrassing performance, but it felt like 
3,000 people saying goodbye mm. to him. And then at the end of the game, he came and waved and everyone assumed that the following day uh, you'd get the old corner flag uh, picture on, on Twitter. Uh, and he stayed for another couple of weeks, which is, it sort of dragged it out a little bit, but it's also, I don't know, having those, that, that time where we've all assumed it was going to happen has in some ways been quite nice mm -hmm. to just kind of, you know, appreciate, fully appreciate the, the the this guy that's you know been there for two years and has been so significant for Forest. Yeah, it's quite interesting, Daniel. Um, I mean, like he's, he's got his army of fans, hasn't he? Like Forest fans absolutely love this guy. Yeah, and it's going to be really weird uh, without him in in one sense. You know, I do think that uh, Nuno is going to need to get a good start because the mood could could go downhill rapidly I, I, I fear um, obviously his first game will be Bournemouth on Saturday which is you know Bournemouth at home is sort of game that they'd be hoping to win but then after that they've got Newcastle away and Man United at home and I just feel like without Steve you know everyone's complimented Forrest on what a great atmosphere it is and how you know every game the fans are up for it and the city ground you know it's just louder than even you know the years when they were winning the European Cups and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I just feel like that, that there's there's a risk that with Steve Cooper no longer there, and yeah, as you say, you can't really, um, you know, it's it's very rare to have that connection between a crowd and the football manager, and without that, it's um, it's slightly unsettling in one way, just to sort of wonder what what it's going to be like on Saturday. You know, what if they go a goal behind? Um, you know, what if it's a nervous performance? You know, what if they lose? Basically, you know, how are the crowd going to react? You know, I mean. Results changed everything, don't they? So you know, if they, if they, if they win on Saturday, then all of a sudden the fans will be you know talking about Nuno in a much more positive light than perhaps they are at the moment, where it's very divided on from what I've seen online. And it's um, yeah, it's it's just I suppose it's just a bit of uncertainty really. Whereas when when Steve Cooper was there, the Forest fans sort of felt like they had this kind of guy who were, who was. I know it sounds a bit cliched, but you know, who was a, their leader. They they identified with him. There was a proper connection. You know, as I say, a rare connection. And every football fan wants that, don't they, with their manager? And so now that's gone. I feel, you know, like people are genuinely quite bereft. You know, I've, um, you know, I, my, you know, I've brought, brought up my son in Manchester to be a Forest fan, which wasn't particularly easy. You know, it's involved a lot of brainwashing, and I've obviously like basically kind of like been telling him for weeks now. You know, and sort of since the start of the season that you know things aren't good and you know and and basically certainly in the last few few weeks that you know be prepared for me telling you that Steve Cooper's going to be on his way you know and and, and when I actually told him yesterday I was really quite surprised by his because he looked just genuinely bereft and you know he's he just turned 15 last week and I was kind of like expecting him just to kind of like shrug it off but it was a bit of what it's sort of one of those moments that made me you know brought it home you know when I, when I take away my own you know, put my fan hat on, I suppose, rather than being a journalist mm -hmm. for a second. It just sort of like, just sort of, I just feel like a lot of people are, going to, are genuinely quite upset to to lose such a such a person because they're rare. You know, Forrest have waited quarter of a century to have a manager like Steve Cooper. Just give us a sense of just how much his legacy at Forest is for Forest fans, because you know Brian Clough historically is the coach that everyone knows is identified with Nottingham Forest, European success and also great success elsewhere. But since then, you'd probably say he's really the icon at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I mean the, the other one would be Frank Clark, who took Forest from the second division to Europe in two years, and it is a little bit harsh that people sort of almost tend to forget about him after, but. 
it was the the you know 23 years away from being in the Premier League for a lot of that time Forest they got relegated to the League One and they could have had a couple of scrapes of relegation but for a lot of that time Forest weren't awful they were just nothing it was just this kind of long stretches of ennui that where it was just it was just very difficult to get excited or, or uh, kind of inspire any kind of emotion either way really and it was sort of it was it was a there was a real sort of low point mm. um when just before Steve Cooper took over and you know pr- more or less from the the first game there was there were things to be excited about again and you know it winning games is obviously it, it, it's not it's pointless to kind of pretend that everyone would still have this great affection for Steve Cooper if he wasn't successful and, di- and didn't get Forrest promoted but that build-up of 23 years of frustration then with uh, someone who was successful only really missed out on automatic promotion from you know, coming in when Forrest were bottom of the championship you will see kind of loads and loads of stories about Cooper basically doing things that he didn't need to do but that uh, endeared him to the Forest fans and the city so there was a there was a great story that was going around last night about this uh, head teacher in Nottingham somewhere who got a call from the, the reception saying there's a guy called Steve in reception for you <laughs> it wasn't Cooper was and it, it, was, it was him no it was Cooper because he'd heard about um, this head teacher who had been talking about Forest and there was a Forest display on the wall he'd heard about this and he just kind of popped in to say hello and to thank them for the, for their support. Um, you'll have seen, if you've ever watched any Forest games, you'll have seen the kind of banners and TFOs mm. and stuff in the Trent end. The group that mostly put those together called Forza Garibaldi, they, it takes a lot of work to, to do all that, to kind of prepare all the banners and the, 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 the everything, put on, everything on the seats and stuff, which they do before a game. They would quite often, you know, be trudging across the car park after a, a long day's you know, banner preparing, and Steve Cooper would, you know, would would be there and would sort of thank them for their support. It's just all, all sort of things like that, which coupled with the success on the pitch and the, you know, the 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 giving fans something to be excited about after twenty three years of mostly nothingness. That's why he was so loved, and that's what the the, the kind of legacy he'll leave. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. 
And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athletic football. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash athletic football with no spaces. Okay, so, well, Nuno Espirito Santo has been brought in to replace Steve Cooper. And we've also brought someone else in to talk about him as well, Tim Spears. But before we come to you, Tim, let's go to to David around this appointment. David, obviously, there would have been searching far and wide to, to see who they could bring in. Nuno Espirito Santo, I feel like has divided opinion in so many ways. Who else would have been in the frame for this job? So very quickly, you heard names like Oliver Glasner, who had done very well at Eintracht Frankfurt and is available. And perhaps the appeal of somebody like him or uh, Yulun Lopetegui, who uh, came to the fore and there seemed to have been some conversations because he was available too. And and, and that might appeal from a financial perspective. You, you don't have to uh, pay to get someone out of their contract and, and they'd be ready to go. But ultimately, it's gone uh, the way of... Nuno. Uh, there's a good relationship with his representative, George Mendes, who has been involved in a number of the player transfers into Nottingham Forest. And Mendes does not represent those other candidates we mentioned there. But obviously, it didn't end well at Wolves at all. Um, it didn't go well at Tottenham at all. That was actually quite a, a protracted appointment at Tottenham. And we were prepared for this one to drag on a little bit. It got quite difficult around his, uh, I think, some backroom staff, the contract. That didn't end up replicating itself here. Forrest have have got him in and and he's already leading training in preparation for a crucial run of matches. But whether that was the right decision or not, um, we're going to have to wait and see. They've got a a highly regarded sporting director in Ross Wilson, um, who will be uh, involved in uh, at least the conversations, the analysis around around this sort of thing. But we don't know how much autonomy um, all of these people at Forest get because... We know who the boss is. Mm, yeah, for sure. Well, David, we're going to have to let you go. We've squeezed you dry of transfer information. And I know it's uh, heading into silly season for you right now. All the transfers, January's on its way. So uh, please leave us and go get some rest if you can. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right, Tim, let's bring you in here. And I know you've definitely um, been around Nuno uh, from the Wolf days and also Spurs days as well. And we look at him being in the Saudi Pro League. And I know he won the, the, the championship, but consequently has been relieved of his duties. Some might look at this as a bit of an uninspired signing. Is that is that just for, for Nuno? Because everyone deserves to prove themselves, don't they? Regardless of what public rhetoric might, might dictate. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's been a manager for more than 10 years now and there is a little bit of recency bias in terms of his reputation, which of course took a hit at Spurs over what was a very short period of time, 17 games, uh, in difficult circumstances with Harry Kane wanting to leave to Man City or close to leaving for Man City that summer. And he was way down the list in terms of the Spurs pecking order. You know, they had a host of managers turn them down that summer. So it was difficult for him to command the respect of of a potentially difficult dressing room with a lot of characters in there, which he, which he struggled with, I think. It was probably a little bit too big for him. But if you look at some of the other work he's done in his career, even before Wolves, he took a little Portuguese club called Rio Ave to Europe for the first time in their whole history. Uh, he took Valencia to fourth in the league um, at a time when it wasn't common for them to do that. Porto, he did okay, finished second. Um, and then the job he did at Wolves was utterly phenomenal, to be honest. Um, you know, he created 
one of the best teams in championship history, I would say. And that's not me as with my Wolves hat on saying that. And people, they were highly regarded as one of the most stylish and best teams. And again, I think there's recency bias in that, yeah, it ended badly for him at Wolves. And there was some dour football in that last season, which was the pandemic season, which he personally really struggled with. Um, but before that, Wolves played some incredible, intoxicating, exhilarating football. Certainly the best I've ever seen at Molyneux. And... Also, you know, the, the bond that he generated with the fans and the city there was unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, you know, there was a real cult around him, this sort of mythical <laughs> uh, beard-stroking philosopher. You know, they adored him. There was like graffiti of him, like plastered around the city. Yeah. They were in tears when he left. He was in tears when he left. Mm. But the the thing about the forest job is going to be under very different circumstances. You know, he had... He had a clean slate at Wolves for him and George Mendes to build a team together. It's not going to be the case at Forest, But what he can do, he can organise a team. Um, he's very good defensively. He's quite pragmatic. He can really set a team out. And yeah, he's he's had a very good career with the success almost everywhere that he's he's been, mm -hmm. which does bode well for Forrest. And he's done things that Cooper hasn't done in his career, which is perhaps what they're looking at. He's taken teams into Europe. Um, he's won titles. He took Wolves to seventh place two seasons in a row until Europa League quarterfinal, which is like a phenomenal job, which was only sort of three years ago. Nick, I mean, from a Forest perspective, I mean, the, the CV sounds amazing, by the way, Tim. I'm not, you know, you hear that and you're thinking, okay, maybe the, the, the chairman, the owner's got, got, got a little something up his sleeve here, but maybe it's just me. But when I heard that name, I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, this is going to be the next level. But also, if we look ahead, and especially the ambition that Forrest have. Is he the one to take them to sixth, seventh, and then potentially challenge that, you know, fourth spot or whatever? I mean, like, it, it's quite a, a gamble. Steady on, my God. Forrest is 17th in the table, so we got us challenging for the championship. But, it's just, but I mean, from the chairman, yeah, from yeah, the owner, yeah, no, this is I the kind of rhetoric saying. that's coming out, you know? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's it's impossible to say. I mean, I think the, the, the reaction from Forrest fans has been quite underwhelmed um and i think a lot of that is informed by as tim you know as, as tim's spoken about the, the what happened at spurs i think for you know fairly or not people sort of disregard whatever he might have done in uh, saudi arabia um and th th there was the, the the as david mentioned earlier on a, a couple of slightly or perceived to be sexier names were sort of dangled in La Patwegi and and, um, and Glasner, but you know it, 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 the, the 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 kind of they, they might be unfair reservations. But I think that the 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 more kind of um, considered caveats might be as as Tim mentioned, he it was a particular set of circumstances at Wolves which kind of allowed him to to succeed. He, he was able to build that team. And, you know, in the championship had an awful lot of players who probably shouldn't have been playing in the championship who were kind of, uh, you know, above that level. And then he was able to take that team into the Premier League here. He will have to, with Forrest, he'll have to deal with a very big squad, a squad that feels quite unbalanced, you know, a lot of ball-winning central midfielders and not much creativity. It doesn't doesn't really have a, a kind of striker that anyone trusts at the moment with Tyler one year injured until the new year. And, and then he is 
he's following what he had at Wolves. This is the obvious point that, you know, he was the hero at Wolves, Cooper's the hero at Forest, and he's now got to follow that. He has, his first game is at home to Bournemouth, who, you know, I think people will perceive that as kind of a winnable game, but Bournemouth are obviously playing really well at the moment. There won't be as much patience sort of extended to him by the fans, which is, you know, probably very unfair on him, but it's kind of inevitable given who, who, he's, who he's following. Tim, I'm just back to the Nuno conversation. We're talking about this environment that he's entering, right? Hiring, firing, harsh, you know, some might say toxic. Is this a guy that's built for that environment? Uh, I, he worked at Valencia at a really tough time in the mid, mid sort of uh, 2010s. Yeah, he was basically told, you've got to finish fourth. That's your job, you've got to finish fourth. And that's that's... They were like the ultimate higher fire club. I think Gary Neville came in sort of, sort of shortly after that. So he's he's used to pressure. Porto as well, huge pressure to win every single match you play. He's used to that. He he won't worry about that at all. But one thing one thing he will need is like is control. That's what he had at Wolves with Mendes, and that relationship is so important. Like these guys are best friends. Mm -hmm. He's not just a client of George Mendes. He was George Mendes's first client two decades ago and they are best friends and they work very closely obviously very well together when it comes to January you know if there's a Mendes client knocking around you won't be surprised new, yeah he'll mm. do his friend favours of course he will so that's that was a hugely important link at Wolves that's why Ruben Neves moved to the Championship uh, from the Champions League and Diogo Jota moved to the Championship from the Champions League you know he can pull rabbits out of hats and recruitment was a massive part of Wolves' success so w w one thing he doesn't like should be pointed out is being challenged and you know you mentioned Saudi Arabia there was rumours of a fallen out with Karen Benzema which I wouldn't be surprised at at all you know at Wolves and again this sort of goes against what's happening at Forest he likes a small tight squad um, of sort of trusted players right. and he doesn't like and like if there's like egos and people challenging him they're out the door one of his uh, old players told me once that you don't go knocking on Nuno's door. Oh goodness! You just don't do it. If you're at the team, you want to know why. You don't. You don't dare go knocking on that door because he will just tell you where to go. He's a huge personality. It's not always there on the camera. He does. He does turn on the charm for the camera, but he can be. He can be horrible. Mm. He, he he said himself he can be the worst person in the world with his moods and his anger. I can vouch for that. Uh, along the same lines, he really owns a room. He is the boss. He can be very charismatic. Yeah. You know, he can, he can really. He can make you feel like the smallest person in the room, the way he speaks to you. And then the next day, it'll be big bear hugs and, oh, how's he going with his big smile? So, yeah, he's quite a complex um, character, sort of an, uh, an angry introvert. He's actually quite shy. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to him, but if he'll need results, of course. Mm. But if he gets that, the Forest fans could grow to love him like the Wolves mm. fans did. Yeah. I, think, I mean, that, that, that is going to be quite... It, it, it not maybe not so much for the fans, but for the players, it's going to be quite a, a shift from Cooper, who was very much, you know, doors always open guy. Mm. Let's finish on this. Yeah, huge injuries already. Um, look at Afcon; several players are going to be leaving. Um, so you know, got a depleted squad. He's not walking into the easiest circumstances. Uh, in the short term, survival surely is the only thing you can really think about now, and then anything else on top is a bonus. Logically, yeah. I mean, that, that it just the, 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 there is a sort of as Danny mentioned earlier on, there is a possibly a little gap between the expectation of the ownership and what is mm. realistic and what is sensible of this season. I think uh, from this point, most Forest fans would take seventeenth place. But I think I, that 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 would be the 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 realistic target for this season. 
yeah, as you say, it's it's a very difficult circumstance for him to to come into whether he will actually make sense of this kind of slightly chaotic club. Uh, who knows really yeah well let's finish there I want to say thank you to all our guests today Tim, Danny, Nick and also David as well remember to rate and review the podcast if you have been enjoying it a one year subscription is still at the special discounted price of just 19 99 that's dollars and pounds it will make a lovely little Christmas present won't it simply head over to theathletic.com forward slash football pod back tomorrow thank you so much for listening You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic. <laughs>